I want to let you know that, man, I'm excited about what God is doing here. And I pray that you would continually do your best to grow your faith in what God is doing, the works that God has given you, the, the hands that God has given you, the heart that God has given you. And uh, we're going to see something great and tremendous happen. And you're going to see what I'm talking about in just a little bit. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. It says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. Before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, give me a break. Come on, tell them, give me a break. Then you may be seated. I want to speak to you here this morning. A part two of a message I spoke on Thursday night, uh, not this past Thursday, but the Thursday before, and we talked about breaking curses, but not just any curse. We talked about breaking the family curse, and there's two things that I've noticed here within our church as of late that we've had a lot of people going to the hospital. Mm, we prayed that just a little while ago. A lot of people going in and out of the hospital, seeing the doctors for their, their knees, their backs, their, uh, their spine, their, uh, their blood. Uh, you just heard it just a little while ago, cancer, uh, tumors. And so I've noticed that within our church. But also within our church, I've noticed that the enemy is really even coming against our families. And he's trying to really infiltrate the home. And I say that because maybe he's not trying to infiltrate your home. Maybe you guys are good. But he's definitely trying to infiltrate my home. And he's definitely trying to infiltrate my children and my children's school. And he's really doing his best. But this is what I love is that his best does not compare to God's best. I'm going to say that one more time. His best, the enemy's best, Satan's best, does not compare to my Lord and Savior's best. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. Now, this is what I've noticed, though, that even though... I want God's best. I, I shoot for God's best. I believe that God's uh, best is the standard for my life. If I'm honest, the standard that I live by, that I believe in, sometimes I don't walk in. I believe in it. I truly do. But sometimes if I'm honest and if you're honest, sometimes you don't walk in it. We believe it. We just don't walk in it. And for some reason, in our marriages and in our lives and our families that we have, there are certain things that we believe in. We believe in a standard, but sometimes we just don't live in that standard. Now, when we get into it and we really look at this, and I really want to dive into these curses because I'm telling you, I'm going to preach this message with as much passion and clarity as I can because I'm sick and tired of the enemy hitting our families and we're just coping with it. And when I say I cope, we cope with it, coping is a way to deal with something where your mind deals with it, but your actions don't deal with the thing. And when I say coping, in other words, you just settle for certain ways of, well, that's just how we are. This is how I am. That's how I grew up. And you're going to notice some things in this message where you say, man, I say that. And you're finding that the things that you say is actually a spiritual battle where it seems like you've lost because you cope with it. It's a coping way. You've heard that, uh, the, the, that uh, saying before, oh, it's just a coping mechanism. A coping mechanism. And if you look at that word mechanism, it's mechanical. It's 
just the way that we do things. It's the way that I am. It's the way that it is. Now, it's funny because it, when I've talked to married couples before and, and you talk with them and say, well, do you believe the word of God? Yes. Okay, well, shouldn't the word of God be the standard for your marriage? Well, yes, I believe that. Well, if you have a husband that believes that and you have a wife that believes that, why is there constant arguments always go, going on in that marriage? They both have the same standard, so they say. I believe the word of God. I believe that he's my healer. I believe, I believe that he is the head of this house. But when you get into the house, the head is not there. There is a different spirit that is in that house. Okay, well, I'm not preaching this message to you. Maybe I'm preaching it to me. Some of you are just looking at me like, no, my house is great. My marriage is perfect. Hallelujah. Well, one thing that I have noticed, even as you continue on, within our marriages, within our families, somewhere in there, we're not realizing that we are not living up to God's best. We are doing our best, but we're not living to where God's best. See, somewhere inside of us, we have been programmed to live out of what comes natural. It's just a natural way of looking. It's a natural way of talking. It's a natural way of happening. And we go off of not necessarily what we believe. Now, this is a perfect example. I shared this a couple of weeks ago. That how many of you, I'm going to ask you this question. How many of you believe that there are starving children in Africa right now? You believe that? Okay. You believe it. And I, I trust you believe that. Now, how many of you that believe that woke up this morning saying, you know what? I need to pray for the children of Africa. I got to get my money. I got to get my finances. I got to send some food to the children of Africa. How many of you did that? No. You believe it, but you just don't care enough to act on that belief. Now, I say that because if we're honest, all of us do that. We all do that. We believe it, but we live out of what we've been naturally programmed to do. And the funny thing is, that, now this is very important. Listen to me, you blended families, because this is something that I believe this message is going to help break a curse, that especially blended families. Because blended families, you're not just living uh, 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 or, or coming into a life that you had from childhood. You're actually living a life of a past marriage, of a past hurt, of past children experience. And no, these are my children. I deal with them this way. No, these are your children. You deal with them that way. And so you're trying to blend it, but really it, there's nothing blended about it. Because why? It's a spiritual thing. It's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. And so a lot of times we get away with that statement, well, that's just how I am. Or we give it to, the, oh, that's just how they are. Have you ever noticed that statement is never used for the good? Oh, that's just how he is. He's awesome. Oh, that's how, just how she is. She's nice. No, whenever we really use that statement, we go, well, that's just the way that they are. That's just the way that I am. We use that as a rationalization for dysfunctional behavior, don't we? That's why we use it. Well, that's just how I am. You're going to have to live with it. That's just how you are. Are, are you sure about that? Well, if you can't do it, then well, no. No, 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 no. See, somehow, some way, we are living out of what we've been programmed to do. And funny thing is, is that some of that programs is a curse, and we got to break that curse. Tell your neighbor, we got to break that curse. Somebody say, we're going to break that curse. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to break that curse. You said, give me a break. Well, we're going to break it here today. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. This is very important. For our struggle is not against your brother-in-law. Your struggle is not against your mother-in-law. 
your father-in-law, your sister-in-law, or your brother, or your sister, or your mom, or your dad. Because a lot of times we think, oh, man, if it was just, if this would just happen to them, or this would just take place. You know what's funny is that I have found, this is what I have found in my experiences within ministry. I have found men and women that are so bitter with their mom or their dad, and they think, you know what, if my mom or my dad or my brother or my sister, if they would just, you know, be wiped off the faces of the earth, everything would be just fine. And this is a true story. I found this. People that have actually had that, when their brother or sister passed away, of course, they didn't want that in their heart of hearts, but they were saying that. When their brother or sister passed away, the issue that they had didn't go anywhere. Well, if they would just leave out of my life, then everything would be fine. And actually, when that person leaves out of the life, their life, actually, the issue gets worse. Because they find that it's not the person that they have. It's a spirit. See, the, the issue that we're dealing with is a spiritual one. It's not a physical one. And when you understand the spirit, you begin to recognize, oh, it's not them. But it's the spirit of anger. It's the spirit of pride. It's the spirit of jealousy, the spirit of, are you understanding me? See, it is a spirit. Somebody say a spirit. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The principle to the scripture is that we are aware of the rules of behavior. In other words, we become aware of what we constantly think about. I shared this the other day, that there's so many people that they kind of, uh, come to this conclusion where they see haters and they start hating haters. And you know what that makes you? A hater. Man, I hate when people do that. If you keep thinking about that, dwelling on that, look at, man, I hate when people talk behind my back. I hate when people talk behind their back. I hate when the, you know what you're finding? You start talking behind people's back. And you become what you hate. Didn't even notice it. As a man thinks, so is he. What you are aware of, your behavior becomes. See, if you keep your awareness on the things you behave, uh, you hate, you begin to live out of that exact thing. It becomes a continual process. Now, this is very important. Out of the scriptures I, I just read, Exodus chapter 34, verse 7, even kind of sums it up. It says, he holds sons and grandsons responsible for a father's sins to the, even the third and the fourth generation. It's very important. Because even where your father missed it and your father's father missed it, you can become that. Or, in your case, where if you missed it, your children and your children's children can miss it. See, I know this is a very heavy message here. This is more of a teaching. I understand that. Because I'm, I really want to make sure that we understand this because you, you may think that you're arguing against your wife. You're not. You may think you're arguing against your husband. You're not. You are arguing against a curse that has been passed down from generation to generation. And if you don't recognize it, you're going to keep thinking you're going to settle it like this. Or I'm going to settle it the, the way that I want. And you're missing the whole thing. That's not how you go about it. you got to understand that it is a spiritual battle. Somebody say spiritual. See, it gets passed down from generation to generation, e even so much like this. Like, uh, have you ever done this before? And I did this, matter of fact, just even a couple weeks ago, I asked somebody, because we were talking about church, and they go, oh, I'm a Catholic. I said, oh, you're a Catholic. You go to Catholic church. They go, yeah. 
And they started telling me their story just like that. They, oh, yeah, my mom went to Catholic church. My mom's mom went to Catholic church. My mom's mom's mom went to Catholic church. And so I go to Catholic church. So do you know why you go to church? Well, no, my mom went to church. No, 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 not your mom. Do you know why you go to church? Do you, well, my mom went to Victory Hour, so I'm going to go to Victory. No, 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 do you know why you go to church? Well, what are you? I'm a Baptist. Why are you about? Well, my mom's mom was a Baptist. My dad's mom was a Baptist, so I'm going to be a Baptist. And if we're not recognizing this, it just happens over and over and over again. There's a story of a, of a mom who was cooking a ham. I shared this the other day about when she was cooking this ham, as she was cooking it, the daughter came up to her and said, Mom, why do you cut the ham in half? And the mom looked down, and she realized, oh, yeah, I, I cut the ham in half. So. I don't know. I, I cut the ham because my mom did it. Let's go ask my mom. So then they went over to the mom's house. And the little girl said, Grandma, why do you cut the ham in half? Grandma said, I don't know. I do it because my mother did it. Let's go ask great-grandma. So they go on over to great-grandma's house. And there's great-grandma. She's sitting on the rocker. She's just sitting there. And the great-grandma says, Great-grandma, why do you cut the ham in half? She said, well, when I was growing up, I didn't have a pot big enough to put the ham in. Just the way that it was. But little my little, why do you do that? Why do you go here? Why do you hate men? I don't know. My mom hated men, so therefore I hate men. Why are you a racist? I don't know. I was just a racist because my dad was a racist. My mom's dad was a racist. I just become a racist. See, we think we're fighting against each other. No, no, no. You're fighting against the generational curse that keeps getting passed down and keeps getting passed down and keeps getting passed down. How come you don't like to do that? I don't know. I just don't like to do that. Why do you do this? I don't know. I just like to do this. I even met somebody one time that they love to, to do their, their uh, long time ago, we used to have an alphabet soup. You remember that? Alphabet soup. And they used to have to put their A, B, C, D, E. They had to put it in order. Why do you do that? Well, my dad taught me. That's just what I do. And some of you, if you were to really think about some of the things that you do, you probably do them because your dad did them or your mom did them. That's just the way that, I don't know, I just, this is the way that it is. Now, some of them are good, but some of them, they need to be broken. Some of those things need to be broken for the better half of the future generation. Can I hear an amen? Now, this is very important. As I began to study this, I looked and said, man, did this ever happen to Jesus? Did this ever happen to him? And what did Jesus do when it happened? And when you study the life of Christ, it happened with Jesus in one particular time where he healed a man on a Sabbath day. I don't know if you remember this story, but he healed a man. He had a shriveled hand, and he came and he healed this man on the Sabbath day. Now, the Bible says that when he was there, the Pharisees and other people, they got mad because he broke the law. He broke the law. Now, this is what was very important, is that when you study this portion of Scripture, you will find that Jesus didn't have a problem with the law. He had a problem with their traditions. Because the law said this, you cannot work on the Sabbath, right? A, you can't work, don't work on the Sabbath. But their tradition stated that not only do you not work on the Sabbath, you can't even come out of your house on the Sabbath. But that started generations and generations and generations before. So what happened was, little by little, years and years of tradition where people couldn't even tell the difference between what is the law and what is the tradition. We can't even tell the difference. And if we're honest, there are some things where if we're not careful, we're going to pass on a tradition 
that where our children can't tell the difference, is this mommy saying this or is this God saying this? Is dad telling us this or is this Jehovah, my Savior, saying this? Who is saying it? See, and this is exactly what happened. And if we're not careful, we can pass down tradition after tradition after tradition. There are some traditions that are good, but if we're not careful and we don't internalize what God has put inside of us, we're going to pass down some things. Well, well, we just do that just because that's what we do. We just go to church on Sunday just because we go to church on Sunday. See, some of you, you were programmed when you were younger to come to church. Why? Because your parents said, you better go to church. They never told you why. They just told you, you better. Right? You better go. So for some of you, if you don't come to church, it's that feeling of, oh, man, I'm going to hell. Oh, man. But it isn't until you internalize. No, 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 no. It's not I better come to church. It's I go to church because I want to be my best. It changes. There becomes an understanding of a change. Are you hearing me this morning? See, and I want us to understand that as parents, as family, as a husband, as a wife, that we need to break some things that have been inside of our lives for a long time. Now, as parents, this is what I have found. One of my responsibilities as a parent is that I have become a licensed engineer. I am an engineer. I am. As a, as a parent, as a father, every Christmas, I'm an engineer. I put things together that nobody else could put together. People buy my kids gifts and bikes and different things, and it says, some assembly required. Well, guess who's assembling it? I'm not that good at it. I'm not going to lie. But as parents... That's what we do. I become an engineer, and so I got to put this together and put that together and put this together as a parent. Well, what you need to know is that you have been engineered, and there is an engineer for your life, and that engineer is God. And what he did is he put this part and this part and this part, and he put it together, and that is your life. There has been assembly required, and it has been put together. So what you and I need to understand as Christians, as men, as women, as sons, as daughters, as husbands, as wives, there are parts to us that have been put together. And if you don't understand the purpose of each part, you're going to lose out. There's going to be a disconnection. Are you hearing me this morning? So I want to make sure that you and I understand that, I don't know if you know this, but we are made up of three parts. Did you know that? We are made up of three parts. We are spirit. Somebody say spirit. Okay, God bless all two of you. Somebody say we're spirit. Look at your neighbor. Tell him you're a spirit. You are a spirit first. The spirit. See, this part of the spirit is the truest you. This is who you are. And when you live out of your spirit, it's a whole new understanding of what the Bible Says that we are. The Bible says that the Spirit is inhabited by Christ Himself. In other words, the Spirit, the Spirit is where it contains our calling, our anointing. It, it contains the fruit, right? That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. That's why you and I can produce fruit of goodness, kindness, because that's who you are. That's the truest you. You are a good person. You're a nice person. It's your spirit, right? There is a spirit. All this is just flesh. That's all it is. But you are a spirit. Tell your neighbor one more time. You're a spirit. Tell him one more time. Tell somebody else. You're a spirit. Now, this is the crazy part. How can those of us who are a spirit and Christians have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit 
still be as crazy as 10 clowns in a circus. That took me a while to think of that one right there. You ever notice that sometimes? And you even question, go, is that person a Christian? Right? Because as a Christian, we're, we're, we're a spirit. We're indwelling, right? We have the spirit. Oh, man, he's a good person. Oh, they're a great person. Man, she's great. She's awesome. But, man, she is weird. He is weird. Why is that happening? You know why? It's because they're not living out of the spirit. They're living out of something else. Remember, we're assembled together. We're made up of spirit first, but then also number two is we are made up of a soul. A soul. The soul is how you see yourself. The spirit is how God sees you. That's the truest you. But the soul is how you see yourself. This has been molded and it contains your mind, your will, and even how you feel. It's the part where if you look hard enough, you will see it's what you really believe about yourself. That's your soul. What you really believe about yourself. If what you really believe about you does not line up with what God really believes about you, then you are in a diluted perspective. And it is going on somewhere. This diluted perspective, I call this DCP, not PCP. I call it DCP, dazed and confused perspective. Because some of you are living out of DCP, dazed and confused perspective. Why? Because the spirit, goodness, kindness, joy, peace, but somehow, some way, where did it all go? How come it's not there? Because somehow, some way, we're living out of the soul, and the soul has been diluted. We see things differently. We understand things differently. See, many times what happens is we hyper-spiritualize the spiritual realm. We think, oh, he's really spiritual. He speaks in tongues a lot. Man, she's powerful. It speaks in tongues. When, no, 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 no. When we understand the spirit, the spirit is really who we are. It's the goodness, the kindness. and you know, We hyper-spiritualize all these. Man, look at They're praying for a long time. They're really spiritual. No, we're all spiritual. But what are you living out of? Are you living out of your soul? Because the soul many times has been diluted. It's been polluted with different things. And this, this soul, a lot of times, where we don't understand is that this God wants us to live in the spirit, but we're living out of the soul. The spirit says you're a champion. That's why I love, right, when we sing that song? We are and don't you, when you sing that song, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I'm a champion. All right, I got this. But if we're honest, before you walked in the doors, you're like, man, I can't even believe I'm here. <sighs> Why? Because all of a sudden, your spirit gets awakened. And you start singing out of your spirit. You see what I'm talking about? I know I'm teaching. I get this. It takes a little bit more time. I understand it. You know, but I want to make sure that we get this. Because when you, if you get this, we're going to break some things. We are really going to break some curses. Can I hear an amen? How many want to break some curses? We're going to break some curses. 
See, because when you understand the Spirit, then you understand when you hear the Word of God, you're a champion. You've been destined for greatness. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And all of a sudden, when you start hearing these things, your spirit gets awakened and your spirit gets arise. Say, man, I am a champion. I am a child of God. I am powerful. I, God has made me good. There is a destiny of greatness for my life. I understand that I have been fearfully and wonderfully made. I am great. There's a greatness inside of you. See, like if I, I tell you right now, and I go up to Pastor Paul, say, Pastor Paul, you are great. You are powerful. If your lens to Pastor Paul hears, oh, he's just building him up. You are hearing through a DCP, a diluted, dazed and confused perspective. Because I believe, he believes he is great, but your belief Says, yeah, yeah, he's just building them up. Yeah, whatever. There is a dilution that's in there. You see what I'm saying? I believe it. He believes it. But somehow, some way, you don't believe it. Because you have experiences. Well, I know Pastor Paul. Pastor Paul messed up last week. I know him. Nah, he's not all that great. He doesn't do this. So you have a dilution that's there. There's a diluted perspective. And you're not living out of what God has always intended for you. Can I hear an amen? See, this soul, this is the part that has been molded and shaped and nurtured by mom, nurtured by dad. You ain't never going to amount to nothing. You're an idiot. You're a dummy. So stupid. How'd you even do that? Why'd you even do that? You're an idiot. And the soul gets molded and gets shaped. You're never going to do it, man. You're going to have all these kids, and you ain't never going to be able to provide for them. You ain't going to have nothing. I can't believe you. Why would you even do that? Why would you marry him? Why would you marry her? And all these things get inside it. Yeah, why did I marry him? Why did I marry her? And also, but it comes out in the arguments. See, we think, it's him, it's him, when really you're living out of your soul. You're living out of a diluted process that if you've been programmed to over and over and over again, you're going to get divorced anyways. You're never going to make it. Or for those of you that have been divorced, you're never going to get married again. No one's going to love you. You've been messed up. You've been beat down. What's, what's, what's the goodness for you? There's nothing ever good for you. See, and then all of a sudden the soul has been nurtured. Are you guys understanding me here? It's very, I'm going somewhere with this. Now the third part is our body. The body is how other people see us. The spirit is how God sees us. The soul is how we see ourselves. And the body is how other people see us. Now, if we're honest, the body is, well, hallelujah. We don't want to talk about that. We'll deal with it later, but we just don't want to talk about it. I like when my wife came up here earlier, so I'm not going to really go too much into that. Because sometimes you've got to learn how to discipline your body, but the discipline starts in the spirit. Starts in the spirit. But somehow, some way, see, God wants to use your body. That's what he wants to use. But somehow, some way, there becomes a disconnect. Okay, this is a perfect example. I need uh, three volunteers real quick. I, I need three volunteers real fast. Just, just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Just three real quick. Okay, one. Come on up here. Two. Okay. One, two, three. Come on up here. All right. Got these three. Come on up here. Okay. All right. You stand right here, my sister. Turn this way. You're going to represent the spirit. Come on over here. You stand right here in the middle. All right. You're going to represent the spirit. Everybody say spirit. spirit. 
You are going to represent the soul. Everybody say soul. You are going to represent the body. Everybody say body. Okay, now this is very important because God, what he wants to do is he wants to use your body. Speak, share, heal, touch, right? That's what your body is for. So the body is there for. So you can go out and preach the good news, right? You can't preach it from your soul. You have to preach it with a body. Somebody, how will they know unless somebody speaks and tells them? That's what the Bible says, right? How will they know? So God wants to use your body. So in order for the body to speak the truth, where is the truth at? In the spirit. So here is the spirit. The goodness, the kindness, you've got greatness, you've got power. Man, there's life in here. You can do it. And so the body tries to get to the spirit, but what's in the middle? The soul. And so the soul, what the soul does, it turns and it blocks the body and it does not allow the body to get to the spirit. It says, no, be angry. You got anger issues. No, jealous. I don't want that to happen. And so all of a sudden, and sometimes you're feeling, you even wake up with headaches and body aches. Man, what do I feel like this? Why, why is this happening to me? Why is this taking place? But you know the truth. The truth is, man, I'm a champion. I'm good. I'm powerful. I got it all together. Man, God's got greatness for me. But your soul says, shut up, be quiet. You ain't doing nothing. Not going to happen. Not today. Maybe tomorrow, but not today. Why? Because this has been molded. It's been shaped by beat down, by being talked about, being stabbed at. See, when you get stabbed, your soul feels it. And your soul then transfers that stabbing to your body. And then your body then goes into seclusion. It says, I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want to be around nobody. I don't want nobody to speak to me. Even though they're going to speak... To your spirit, man, you're good, you're great, you're powerful. It never gets connected because the soul says, nope, not going to happen, not today. And so the family curses that are upon you or, or it's going to be in your marriages, in your, in your family, all of a sudden it comes out of your soul and you're living out of your soul and you're saying, man, I don't want to be like this. I know that God has greatness for me. I know that God's got power for me. So all of a sudden what you got to do is you got to be able to discipline this body and say, no, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So all of a sudden if there's a disconnect, you say, soul, I know that I've been beaten down. I know I've been messed up, but I need to get to my spirit. And so where the spirit and the body can connect, then all of a sudden you see the truest you you start fulfilling your calling you start fulfilling everything that God has called you to do why because now the spirit is alive tell your neighbor the spirit is alive thank you guys you guys can have a seat thank you very much. give him a hand amen see that's what I want to ask you where are you living out of what are you living out of and if we're honest there are some contaminants that are in our soul that stop us. And really quickly, I just want to give you a few contaminants, and then we're done. You can come to the piano. We're done. The one, one of the first contaminants that are in our soul that many times that stops us from living in our spirit, number one is anger. Anger. If we look back somewhere in our life, we will find a hurt. That hurt has been built up over time that didn't allow anything to come in because it had a bodyguard named anger. 
anger. No, they hurt me. This can't happen. They said this about me. I'm never going to allow that to happen again. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 37, verse 8, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. Somebody once said, anger is only one letter away from danger. When you write that down, you could see the phrase in there. That's a good one. Anger is only one letter away from danger. There used to be an old TV show that said, danger, Will Robinson, danger. Right? And who was the one that would say this? That robot, right? The robot, hey, hey, hey. This is the crazy thing is that there's no robot when you get angry. Danger, Manuel, danger, Moses, danger, Art, danger, Frank, danger, danger. It's a contaminant of the soul. And you got to be able to say, listen, I see it. Just picture it like this. Your soul is that glass, and inside that glass, there's contaminants. And you got to do your best. Say, okay, I got to take this out. I got to get rid of this. It's not going to happen. Another one, really quick. Number two is insecurity. Insecurity. This, this contaminant kind of stems from what I was talking about earlier, DCP, Days of Confused Perspective. Blurred lines, blurred images that you really can't see. See, God says that you're awesome, but your insecurity says you'll never be anything. So what happens is, because you feel like you're never going to be anything, you tell people they're never going to be anything. There becomes an insecurity within our lives. A third one is pride. Pride. Pride even stems from insecurity. You know what I found is that pride is like a sneaky parasite. It will eat away any promise that God gives you on the inside. You know why? Because pride cannot be told anything. It cannot be corrected. It cannot be shifted. It cannot be moved at all. Pride stands there and doesn't move. Pride will always lie to you and make you feel like even you're in control. You know, the Bible says in James chapter 4, that God resists the proud. The word resistance is a military term. So what it says is that when the pride rises up, God gets militant on that type of contaminant to your soul. It says, no, this is not going to happen. It's not going to pass. See, you yourself have to have that same way. You got to get militant and get violent against that spirit of violence. You got to get violent against that spirit of pride. Don't allow that thing to infiltrate your family. And the fourth one, the last one real quick, a fourth contaminant with pride, insecurity, and even anger is our attitudes about people. Our attitudes about people. Some of us grew up with the philosophy, trust no one. Trust no one. I'm not going to trust anybody. Nobody's going to infiltrate. Nobody's ever going to hurt me again. As long as I don't trust anybody, nobody ever hurt this body. Trust no one. Some even on the flip side, trust everyone. Everybody likes me. That's just as hurtful as a, uh, a contaminant, contaminant. Same thing. Ah, oh, no worries. No, 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 no. You, you, you got to understand something here, that this contaminant, it blurs your vision on even how you deal with people. Because when people come to you and they tell you certain things and they give you certain phrases, right away you go, that's what my mom used to tell me. I'm not going to allow her to hurt me again. Or your husband, he sounds like your father. Oh, my father used to tell me that. Nope, he's not getting, not getting past this wall. And so right away, nope, not going to happen. Not going to take place. 
And if we're not careful, these are the things that contaminate our soul. Even many, many of us, we even grew up in a paranoid state. I call it everywhere a paranoia. Because everywhere you go, they're talking about me. I see them. They're talking about me. I know they are. They're talking about me. When you get on that social media, oh, guys, that social media is a killer, man. Oh, look it. See, they're saying that. They're saying it about me. I knew. She said it about me. He said it about me. Why doesn't she just say it to my face? They did say it to your face. Book. See, I know they were talking about me. Like, dude, you're not that important to be talked about all the time. Just chill. But see, our attitude towards people. No, I know that. I know. And you know what's so funny? Is that we judge people based on their intentions, but we judge ourselves based on our actions. You ever notice that? We judge people on their intentions. No, no, no. I know they did that on purpose. I know they, they did that on purpose. But what's funny is that if you do the same thing, well, I didn't mean to. But they meant to, but you didn't. Wait, 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 hold on one second. See the attitudes that come, the things that are there, how we perceive. And we have these blurred lines. And if we're not careful, the Bible says that we're going to pass this on to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Because we're living out of our soul. The soul that is there. And we find ourselves not living out of our best or, or God's best for our lives. And I want to challenge you here this morning. A couple weeks ago, I shared with the Jos Josiah and what he had to do in order to break these things. They were, these are very vital and very important of what you have to do to break them. And sometimes, some of the things that you have to do, you're going to do things that you don't normally do. But in order to break them, you got to break them. See, this is what I found. A lot of times we think, man, if I just fight it, if I just fight it, if I just fight it. No, you know what you got to do? You got to replace it. You keep fighting and you keep fighting and you keep fighting. You know what you got to do is you got to replace it. It's difficult. It's very hard. I remember when my father died. When my father passed away, it was very difficult for me. I had a difficult time. I was about 22 years old when he passed, 22, 23. And he passed away, and people were coming up to me and giving me encouraging words. They were telling me, hey, so, oh, no, it's okay. You're going you're gonna to be all right. You're going to be this and that. Time was going on. And as time was going on, months would go by. Of course, it still hurt. A year went by. It was about a year into my father's passing. Somebody asked this question. It was the question that, you know, when somebody passes, you kind of don't ask this question. But somebody had the guts enough to ask me. All right. So they came up to me. I remember I was about 23 years old. And they said, hey, what do you think if your mom was to get married again? Right? And so right away, <laughs> how dare you? Right? Because that's, I'm living out of my soul. Of course. I've been hurt. My father's gone. Come on. Don't talk like that. But honestly, I look back at it now. That was a very mature question. He asked me in a mature way. Didn't mean no harm by it at all. But it was a difficult thing. And as I began to ponder that question, I said, man, let's be honest. I can't control my mom. She could do what she wants to. What if she does want to get married? Then what? 
What am I going to do? No, that's my mom. My mom is not yours. That's true. That person coming to my mom's life would never be the mom. That would be the wife. It's a different perspective. But I have the perspective. I'm the son. No, you can't do that. No, no, no. And if we're honest, a lot of times that's how we deal with, you know, even in our families, blended families. No, 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 no. That's my child. No, 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 no. That's the way I do things. This is the way I have it. No, 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 no. And so we have our perspectives on the way that we live. No, 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 no. But this is what I found. It wasn't until I actually came to the grips one day. It took me a while. I'm not going to lie to you and say it happened overnight. But I came to grips with it a couple years later when I was living in San Diego. I said, you know what? my mom were to get married, I think I'd be okay with it. Took me a while. Didn't happen like that. So, you know what? I think we would be okay with it. Be hard. Be difficult, man. But the thing is, I kept fighting and fighting and fighting, not realizing that there's always been a position of a vacancy that has been there. And it wasn't until I realized that it wasn't my father that what I needed. I needed my heavenly father. The position to be filled by my heavenly father. Because that's the goodness. That's the kindness. That's the greatness. That's the power. See, some of you right now, you're having a vacancy. And so when it gets replaced, you're fighting that. Saying, no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to take place. See, some of you, you got to replace those bad habits. You got bad habits that are living in your house. And when I mean your house, I mean your heart. These bad habits that are there, just, they've just set up shop in your heart. Just the way that it is. It's just how I am. Nothing's ever going to replace. No, no, no. Some of those things, you got to get out. Get rid of the old. Get rid of that thing. Quit being filled with that pride. Ain't nobody going to hurt me. You know what I have found? If you're going to go to one extreme, you got to go to the other extreme. No one's going to hurt me. What you're also saying by the other extreme, no one's going to love me. No, because you got to be fair. You got to be fair to your emotional assembly. Listen to me. I know you've been hurt before. I understand the difficulties in your hurts, and especially for those of you that you've, you know, you've lived a seasoned life, and you have some things that even some of you, your husband doesn't even know, your wife doesn't even know, your children probably will never know. And so you hold on to this. Oh no, I gotta be, gotta be, gotta be. When God says, listen, I want to be your father. I want to be your husband. I want to be your wife. I want to be your child. I want to be whatever it is that you need me to be out of the spirit. I want to challenge some of you here today that maybe you've been living out of your soul and it's been difficult. And the difficulty, believe me, I understand, especially the loss of a loved one, that hurts the most. And what I have found that even for those of you that have been divorced, I've been doing some studies on it. Those of you who have been divorced, they say divorce is like a death. When you have that divorce, like, because you have a whole new life, a whole new perspective. You got to make changes all over again. And for those of you that say, oh, I've been divorced, I'm never going to get married again. Listen, my friend, would you understand that the greatest spouse that you can ever have is your heavenly father in the first place? That it's not about the man or the woman that comes into your life anyways. Because you're going to know that that person has always been the person for your soul. You'll know that. You'll understand that. Why? Because you're living out of your spirit. When you get two people living out of the spirit, 
There's goodness that is there, kindness that is there, greatness, power that is there, fearfully and wonderfully made. Bow your heads with me here this morning. Father, I pray right now, Lord God, that you would touch the hearts, the minds, the bodies, the souls, Lord God, of the men and women that are here. Lord, we're breaking some curses that are here, Lord God. Shattering, getting rid of some things that have been happening in our lives, Lord God, that have been fairly difficult to deal with, fairly difficult to cope with. But Lord, I pray right now, Lord God, that you would allow us to break that spirit of alcoholism, spirit of anger, spirit of violence. That spirit, Lord God, that tries to come on. Says, oh, you're always going to be a drug addict. No, you're not. You're not always going to be a drug addict. Stop that. It's a contaminant to the soul. You've got to strengthen that soul. Strengthen that soul. Allow the spirit to be stronger than anything. With every head bowed and every eye closed here this morning, and you say, you know what? My marriage needs to get stronger. My family needs to get stronger. And I need to do, I want to do whatever it takes. Just like what Josiah did. He got rid of a few things that didn't need to be in that house. He got rid of them. I need to get rid of a few things. Some of you, the pride, the anger, the insecurity. I'm never going to amount to nothing. No, my friend, you are. You are something. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you here this morning and you say, you know what? I want to strengthen this family. I'm going to break some curses on the count of three.